And here we go. Oh, we're live. All right, let me start by sharing this out. And then sharing it publicly. And here we go. Oh, that's loud. <laughs> All right. Okay. Make sure I did that right. Hello, I'm Tisha. I'm Patrick. Um, for those of y'all watching the replay, uh, because I, I don't think you may have stopped on just yet, um, we're doing the random, we are not doing, we are the Random Highway Podcast, people. Um, and we'll, we do podcasts, sort of. We try really, really hard. Push that back. This? Yes. Oh, you didn't say back. He said this way. Hold on. Wait for me to move it. Have I moved it yet? Nope, not yet. It's. I can see it right here. <laughs> no. Ta-da. Thank you. Is that better? Yes. All right. Now that we... <laughs> My bad. <laughs> okay. We. It says we've got comments... Hello, Miss Janet. No, it's not showing comments on here. The V was a mistake. So happy you V are on. Hello, Mom. All right, so we're trying to figure out comments real quick. I had to move the camera. I didn't realize it was in frame because we got like three different cameras set up. Um, so we are doing the Zodiac Killer today. It's a really intense episode. Um, so... Maybe not as intense as Lori. It's not as many gruesome details, I guess. But there is some... Uh, oh, we're over here. <laughs> there is going to be some details that... Uh, it'll... Like, I'm going to go over, like, the narrative. Like, the mainstream narrative of the Zodiac Killer. Because it's a well-known case. And then from there, we are going to go over um, different things that... New theories that are coming out. So, I think that's a very, very interesting take. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I caught you. <laughs> Um, so he's figuring out the comments real quick before we get started. Um, hello, everybody that's coming on. Hey, Miss Tanya, how you feeling, honey? I was just talking to Tina about you the other day, saying that you look like Cannibal Lecter with that thing on your nose. <laughs> but I'm hoping your recovery is going by pretty good. Um, yay, we figured out comments. Good deal. Sorry. All right, so he's figured out comments, which means... I can go back to what I was doing. Okay. So, uh-oh. So, we're good? Yay. Okay. Hey, Miss Carol. Um, As y'all come on, say hello. All right, so I do want to tell y'all that we did have, a lot of you ladies are, are aware, as y'all are coming on, as we wait for everybody to come on, um, we did, uh, we had our five-year anniversary. That was Friday. Um, you want to turn on the main camera real quick? We went uh, out to eat and we went to painting with a twist. That was our thing. Um, so I had planned this whole big elaborate thing, right? And so we were going to go. It's supposed to be a drinkery, which I assumed was, I don't know what I thought it was, but I didn't think it was going to be a hole in the wall bar, which is exactly what it was when we walked in. Um, maybe not much bigger than our bedroom. And it was... Um, a bunch of hipsters and young kids in there so we walked in we looked around and we turned right back around and left <laughs> like it lasted all of 15 seconds um luckily for us there was um a chinese restaurant right around the corner um and so we went there um it was good we got this flaming thing a flaming appetizer so it comes out in this bowl and it's got a thing in the middle and it's on fire and everybody's looking it was kind of that part was kind of embarrassing we had a, an old lady walk by and comment on it like what is that um we had a really cool waiter dude um he looked asian but talked like bobby hill off of king of the hill 
Was it? Was no? What? That's not his name. Who's who's the dad? The dad. Hank. Who? Hank. Hank. Hank Hill. He talks like Hank Hill, but his the way he talked and the way he looked was too. It was very. Uh, it clashed, um, but it was. Um, I can't read what she's saying, baby. That's why I pointed. I am feeling a bit bitter. Can't smell or taste. Well, hopefully that will clear up. That's that's the hope, right? All right, so fast forward, we're late. We get our dinner, we get our entrees, we get everything, we get eaten, and we're late. We're late to painting with a twist was because we have reservations. They start, it's a class, so you have to be there on time. So we're like, we're not even that late. I think we're like maybe seven, eight minutes late. We're, we don't even, like, we're smokers and we don't even smoke. We go straight from the restaurant, which is literally right next door to painting with a twist. We show up about seven to ten minutes late, and they shoot it. They shoot us right in the door, um, and we were playing catch up. And then artistry is a lot harder mm-hmm. for me. I have no artistic bones in my body, like whatsoever. Um, but we we got there and we did these paintings. I'm gonna show them. Patrick. That's why I brought them up here. Patrick brought his. I have no, <laughs> like, I am not an artist at all, and I don't mess with paints. Let me see if I can do this. Let me see if it's going to show on camera. I don't know exactly where that... I know it shows here. So this is mine. This is what I painted. Patrick, go ahead and hold yours up. He painted one as well. This is a his and hers thing. I know if you get it by the light, about where I'm at, they can see. You can hold it down a little bit, actually. And this is this is what we did at Painting with a Twist. We got to sign our name on the bottom. It was pretty cool. It took us three hours, but now we have a his and her set to commemorate our five-year anniversary. So that was, I felt rushed. I think three hours is not a lot of time for somebody that's never painted before. Um, and I, it was just hard. And I was having problems. I was getting frustrated. We had one lady kept walking in there. She told me three different times she walked in was telling me just breathe. Because I was getting, I'm very much so a perfectionist. And I was getting very agitated because I couldn't figure it out. Um... I tried to like ease up the tensions and like joke and pick and play with Patrick, but then he was just like, I think he was feeling tension because he wasn't in a pick and play mood. We were both way too serious about it. Um, he did. We we stopped and got a bottle of wine, and he poured himself a cup of wine. Tell him what happened with this wine. I I dipped my paint. I was trying to clean my paintbrush off in the in my wine. So. So yeah, they yeah. they have we have our cup of wine because you're allowed to drink in there, and then you have this other cup that they provide you with. It's got water in it. It's where you put your paintbrushes in. And he wasn't paying attention, and he just all up in the water, and it was not water; it was his wine. And then he proceeds to drink it, <laughs> but it was not toxic. He's still here. He's still alive. I so that's the say, thing. I'm not dead as of yet. So we both felt um, rushed. I think, and part of it was because we were late. Another part of it was we just we're not fast artists, <laughs> like that's for sure. We needed to take our time, and the class is only three hours long. We only had so much time, and they're trying to kind of usher everybody towards the ending point. So outside of that, it wasn't too bad. I I thought it was not so bad. I could have gone. Um, I did miss my fried mushrooms. I was really wanting those. So I was kind of bummed about that. And I felt rushed. But outside of that, I think the finished product, I thought it was cool. I ne- if you'd have told me I'd have been able to do that before I walked in there, I'd have told you you're a liar. <laughs> so it doesn't look like the one that the, the – because at the beginning of the class, they have the, you know, what it should look like when you're done. And so mine does not look like that, but mine looked pretty freaking good compared to what I thought it was going to look like. I was very impressed. How do you feel about yours? you don't want to know i do it's nicely though (laughs) mine is crap i have done much better than that oh well thank you janet says that is beyond awesome patrick has very low self-esteem with his um painting over there i thought his turned out good i thought his turned out i love his ombre of colors i love the flowers he done um i like her hair like there's a few things on there that I'm like, mine doesn't look that good, and then he's like, mine's crap. I'm like, well, yours looks better than mine. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just felt rushed, but I think it was fun if we did. If they would have just allowed us a little bit more time, I think that's the issue I was running into it. Um, but that was our, that was our five year anniversary date. So we just went and sat down at a restaurant. Well, we walked into a bar. And was like, nope, no, thank you. 
um went to it was small and crowded and yeah i was not expecting that yeah I, I wasn't either i looked into it i passed by it it said the farm restaurant i didn't think it was gonna be it looked like a garage bar <laughs> like it was just that small like a double garage bar um girl i have i'm telling you i can't even draw stick figures they had the face outlined for us um and we just painted in that it's like they they it's like a paint book but with colors the problem color, was color everyone else was using canvas and we uh, were using wood you upgraded to the wood so and it wasn't drawn the same as whatever it really wasn't is. because i'm seeing that um it's, well it's a little hard to keep you know one cohesive picture when you have a Slats. multiple yeah, yeah boards making up the well i upgraded to the wood because I wanted, well, I guess the canvases would have been fine. Keepsakes. I thought these were nicer. And I wanted to be able to hang them and showcase, you know, that that was, there was a thought process behind it. Uh -huh. So I wanted something to be nice, something that would withstand the test of time. And I wanted something we could hang and just, you know, celebrate our five years. Um, hindsight, next time we will do canvas because I feel like it would be easier to paint on. Um, I don't know. I've never painted on canvas. <laughs> if there is to be a next time, I would enjoy it. Um, maybe not a three-hour thing. I know my back was hurting. We didn't even realize there were stools until halfway through. By that point, both of us are like, oh, my back. Everybody else is sitting down. We're like, why are we still standing? <laughs> so that was fun. Um, oh, well, thank you, Janet. All right. So I don't know how many people are on here, but we're going to start um can you see my screen on this one or do i need to start the mevo app all right so i'm gonna start my oh. we yeah, got um we're gonna be doing the zodiac killer tonight what you have to remember is when you close it out oh my screen just went black it's, so don't let the screen go black okay i will try we're good my i got poor that <laughs> fight with my phone y'all all right so we're doing the zodiac killer all right so i want to um this is a classic unsolved american crime possibly a hoax now the the mainstream bleh, i almost said that all kinds of messed up the mainstream narrative is that there's a zodiac killer he's a serial killer there were five five infamous killings or attempted killings that were all linked to this guy he was famous for his ciphers that were put into the newspapers um and the letters that he sent in um and then some people in fact there are some very many compelling evidence come to light years later um stating that it all might have just been an elaborate hoax just kind of one thing built on another and then somebody took it a step so further and somebody's tips a step further but several people kind of built on i don't think necessarily built on what i think is that there were separate crimes mm -hmm. that someone in a letter took responsibility for multiple mm -hmm. things and based on that evidence that you referred to i'm kind of inclined to wonder myself maybe there wasn't well i want to take your attention to a young couple their name is betty lou jensen and david faraday okay this is going to be in a town called vallejo california this is on herman lake road which is at the time considered lover's lane this is where people go to to go park as i think okay. is the old terminology okay so betty was shot 28.6 feet from her car um in the back five times as she was trying to run away right david was shot in on the side of his car one time in the head now the cops are saying there is no motive for this nothing was stolen um there was no mugging there was no don't die um there was nothing happening that would I'm have so uh, sorry. <laughs> he's over here dying that would have been you know like anything that they would have assumed was going to be um, any type of um, mugging or robbery of any sort. It was just cold out, all out killer. Okay. Now, 
the thing about this is and this is considered the zodiac's very first um killing now the thing about this is it's interesting i'm going to be swiping through some pictures y'all so y'all just bear with me this is going to be the crime scene i believe this is the right side up uh, we'll do it this way nope that's yep Right, so this is the crime scene that we're looking at here this is the now back then i don't know why there was no pictures but this is a sketch um of one of the uh witnesses rendering of the area okay disregard all those pictures you just seen all right so this is going to be the cop sketch now as you'll see you'll see one bullet casing this the red dot is going to be the bullet casings or not the bullet casings the, where the people were shot. This is going to be where the lady was shot. Bet, Miss Betty was way off to the side. The blue is going to be the killer's car. Okay. And then the the brown, uh, the gray scale is going to be Betty and um, David's car. Now the casing that was found. The little red dot on the side of the blue car. And then the rest of the casings were found. In between the two cars or where the two cars would have been okay now the reason i feel like this is important excuse me <coughs> is because just from the very beginning they're saying the zodiac killer is one person okay in order for the shell casings in this police report in the sketch for this to line out this would have made this would have been made by two different people one person in the driver's side and one person in, obviously and then one person in the uh, passenger side passenger side has comes out shoots one shot i don't know who they shot at but they shot they shot one time and then the other person who jumps out of the driver's side shoots multiple times okay so the reason i feel like that is important is because this is the beginning of all the killings this is the first one that is um going to be like so important you know later on this is the uh i don't know the word it starts with a pre pre something precursor precursor to all this stuff being blown out of proportion and saying it is one killer when we don't feel like it is okay so we got betty johnson betty lou johnson and david fairday now betty johnson was shot five times in the back but she was also running away trying to escape the scene Whereas David Faraday was only shot once in the head, done and done. Okay, now I wonder if that could have been the uh, if the passenger got out, shot him the once in the head, and then when she bolted, bolted. the boom, driver boom, 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 jumps boom. out. That's why there'd be casings on both sides of the car because the driver well. jumps out, and then boom, 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 because right. she's running away. Now, the cops said there was no motive for this. There was absolutely no... It was a, it was a, a random killing at the time, is what they're saying. Um, so, let me go into a backstory. Now, this is stuff that you're not normally going to hear on the Zodiac Killer. All right. So, Faraday, uh, David Faraday was an Eagle Scout, um, which is the highest you can go in the Cub Scouts. Like, normally boys don't hit this until they because it takes a while to get to this level so they don't normally hit it till they're about 17 18 years old um so he's a he's a eagle scout two days prior to his murder he is in a local diner he is he approaches this other boy and he starts calling calling this boy out like you're selling drugs in my school it's gonna stop this that and the other like david is very outspoken and he is on the right side of things like he is like very, very anti-drug very anti-bullying very anti-bad people you know what i'm saying he's very outspoken about this kind of things um and so and that's, this was widely known about him so he goes up to this boy and he calls him out like you're not and it's very public and in fact this this altercation turns uh physical Okay, so there's a physical altercation between this and this boy that's pushing drugs in his school. Well, this boy has been tied, The uh, not David, but the other child that is pushing drugs has been tied, you might have to back out and go back in, um, has been tied to um, Hell's Angels, which at the time, well, it still is, it's a biker gang, but at the time was known to be pushing drugs in their town. 
in their town as well as the Hells Angels pushing drugs is the Mafia. The Colombian Mafia is in the time in the town at the time also pushing drugs. So you got these rival drug lords, we'll put it this way. One from uh the Colombian Mafia, the other from um Hells Angels, they're both pushing drugs. Uh, and this is a known thing in the town at the time. And David just so happens to confront one of the boys that is being used to push the drugs through the school. And he tells them, absolutely not. We're not doing this no more. And it turns to an all-out drag-out fight. Okay. So, if my thoughts, and, and this is not just my thoughts. There's other theories on this as well. If Fairy Day was considered a threat, I don't know what he said to this boy. I'm going to turn you in, or I'm going to I'm gonna go tell the cops, or I don't, who knows what. Or maybe the boy just got his butt whooped and he was salty over it. I don't know. Like, I don't know who won that fight, particularly. Um... I'm thinking that that could have been a motive for the killing. I think Betty was just like, she was at a distance. It, maybe they did, it was dark. Maybe they couldn't see. So they just pop, 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 pop. Heard her body drop. Okay, we're done. Get out and go. Him, he was close up. It was boom. They got what they came here to get. You see what I'm saying? And she tried to make a break for it and just didn't last. Now, here's the thing. There were two tips. Even with all this going on, like it was a known drug thing going on in the town. It was a known... Um, you had rival gangs there fighting for, I don't know street cred's the word, but like, you know, fighting for the for the rights to sell the drugs in that area. You know what I'm saying? Who could put out the better fighting drugs? Fighting for the territory. Yeah, they're, they're literally fighting for their territory. There was also two tips that were called in later in during that same week. Later during the week saying, hey, this is what is going on. Like, there was two very good tips that were called into the police saying, okay, this is what's going on. This is why it happened. This is what happened. And the police were totally dismissive of it. Um, they never looked into it. They just kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, so, I think it could have been a revenge killing for get that boy getting his ass whooped. Um, he ran home and told mommy and daddy something different. And they were like, well, come on then, you know. Maybe he was scared of me. He got his butt whooped. So he's like, oh, a whole group of people jumped on me. And I don't know. It could have been a revenge killing. But it also could have very well been like, okay, he's a threat. We're trying to encroach on this turf. And if he runs to the cops, it could be a problem for us. Especially if he if he's able to pick you out of the lineup, it's going to lead them back to me. Right. So I, it could have been a revenge or it could have been, hey, let's let's keep our you know identities secret or safe anyway. Um, but the, the fact that. The cops never looked into these tips afterwards. Makes me think, because this is back in the 60s. This is in 1968. So this is a time when it was not unheard of. Even now it's not unheard of. But like back then it was really prominent for the, for the mafia, which at the time it was the, it was the Colombian mafia, um, and the Hells Angels to have these, at least some of these cops in their pockets. So it's not unheard of to be like, okay, maybe they, those tips were called in. And maybe the reason the police didn't look into them is because they were in the pockets of one of these rival gangs and was paid off not to. So that's another theory on that. Um, the head uh, detective of this case was Les Ludbland. He was a lead investigator. And at the time, he had never had any kind of experience in a, a murder, let alone a mass murder or a multiple murder, anything of that nature. So he was um, he was very ill-prepared for that kind of investigation I'll, I'll say now at the time all this is happening um nobody has mentioned the zodiac nobody has mentioned a serial killer it just it just happened and there was no motive ever proven now i do believe that there was a motive i do believe i personally believe it had something to do with the, the drugs and whatever i just don't feel like um you have the worst about turning volumes up on everything <laughs> Um, I just don't feel like I think that either the cops were paid off um, or they were just very very much so incompetent at their jobs um, they could very well be it so but that is the first um, of the killings that is considered to be the uh, the killer of the Zodiac we're going to go to our second killer or our second killings give me just a moment while I look up some pictures um, both of these people, um, by the way, were obviously pronounced dead at the scene. They, there was no survivors. Like, they were, that was it. That was all for them. Um, I am going through and deleting as I go because I have a lot of pictures on here I was going to reference. So, the second one is going to be 
um, Miss Darlene. All right, if you want to show this picture, this is Darlene. Oh, thank you. And um, she was actually in a car with Michael Mageau. Okay, this happened in Blue Rock Springs Park, July 4th, 1969. So this is just not too long after the first one. Okay, now Darlene and Michael were together. They were just friends. They were together and they were in a car. Now in her or in one of her cars. Okay, so there was another killing, obviously. A car parked behind them. A man walks to the car with a really bright light. They thought it was the cops. The, the light gets to the car. The man with the light gets to the car and just opens fire inside the vehicle. Darlene was shot several times. Come to find out she was shot nine times. Michael was shot a couple of times. Not near as many, obviously, as Darlene. Um, okay, so Darlene is still alive when the cops get there. They're both still alive when the cops get there. Darlene does not make it to the hospital. She was such an, in such a daze and panicked for her life that she was unable, unable to speak and even keep um, to let the cops know what was going on. So she was struggling for her life and she died shortly after the cops came on the scene. All right. And then David, the whole reason that the cops even showed up is David is now outside of his car. I'm guessing he's trying to go for help or whatever. David's on the outside of his car and three other teenagers happened to be passing by, saw him laying on the ground stopped to see what was going on and then seen the mess and when they seen the mess that's when they had decided okay maybe we need to check out what's going on and call the cops so they call the cops the cops get there and they're trying to like i said they're both alive at this point in time so they take his statement and they give him he gives them um like okay he looks like this this is what happened and, and all this other um I've got a lot of notes here, y'all. Oh, later on, he also does a composite sketch about what this dude is going to look like. And I will show y'all a picture. Do I have a picture? I do not. I lied because I'm a liar pants. Sorry. So, <laughs> I thought I had a picture. So, the best um, description that he gave was, and I think I just deleted the picture. Crud. Sorry. Is this one. If you'll show this one. And that is who he said looked like. There was a sketch, but this was a, a rendering. And this is supposed to be uh, the man that supposedly killed her. That he, you know, rendering from a composite sketch. This this is the man that, I don't know why I just deleted the sketch and not him. So this is the man that he said kills killed, or tried to kill him and killed that old girl. Alright, so again, we're going to go back to, to, to the back story of all this oof okay so Darlene at the time of her murder was married to a man called Dean Farron okay happy marriage from what I understand but her she has an ex-husband his name is Gene Phillips he was a he was known for stalking her he was uh very violent and he drove a car similar to Darlene's okay now in one of the statements that he had made, this was way years later, he self-admitted was driving Darlene's car the night of the murder. Okay. Darlene was in, she was with Michael Majot, She they were in his car. And he said one of the statements that he gave to the police was, after the composite, was that the guy that pulled up behind us was in a car It almost looked like Darlene's car. And that was one of the statements he gave to the police. Now, years and years later, he admits that he had Darlene's car at the time of the murder. He also admits to being in town because he was just dropping her off at a hotel three days prior. Now, when the cops go to look for this man, he is nowhere to be found. They cannot find him. He has since disappeared and changed his last name to Crabtree. So he's no longer Gene Phillips. He is now Gene Crabtree. Um, so he is known to be a stalker and very, very violent. Um, he also admitted years and years later that his last words were to Darlene was that she, whatever happens here, you're going to get it back nine times over. Darlene was shot nine times. Um, let's see. K. 
Okay, so I find it interesting because, again, they never looked into... They tried to look into it for just a hot little second, and we'll get into it here in a minute, but then the letters started rolling in, and when the letters started rolling in, they dismissed him as a suspect when he had all the motive. I believe in my heart of hearts that this man killed his ex-wife. He was very jealous, very temperamental, and just they had a violent um, history anyway between the two. I think it was him. All right, so when the three teens had went, and they called 911. The 911 dispatcher was a lady named Nancy Slavic. She's um, shortly after the 911 operator call, she also received another call, this time um, from a man saying, I just killed two people. I just shot two people in a car. I also did the murders, um, Betty on Lover's Lane, uh, Betty and David. Was it David? Yeah. So Betty and David. So this is a phone call that he had. He, she, he did call in. Hey, there's been, I don't know if he said I, I'm calling to report a mur murder, but I'm, I'm calling to report a shooting. I just shot two people in a car. I also shot the people last, whenever it was, um, this was just a few weeks prior. So back in December. So he's admitting to all this, but it's via phone. Okay. And then that's, that's all I know about that. They've got the composite sketch to go on. And then they've got, um, they know that he was driving a car similar to what Darlene's, Darlene's old car looked like, which just so happened to be her ex-husband. But of course, now they're getting a few, they're starting to get letters. So the first letter comes in two weeks after the murder, after the second murder. Um, and it goes to three different local newspapers and each letter is a little bit different, but they're all similar. Um, so what I'm going to do for, for you, Patrick, real quick, give me a hot second. I don't know why I just did that. Is I'm going to send you some pictures for you to. Actually, I believe you already have these letters and I'm going to give them to you so you can show them because I am busy here. This is not going to work for me. So I just sent you those pictures. If you will check your uh, your messenger and show those pictures. All right, so I have, there was three different, um, and I'm not reading any of the comments, y'all. Okay. Um, so there was three different letters sent to three different local newspapers. Each of the letters were very, very similar. They weren't exactly the same, but they were very, very similar. And they all came with ciphers. Um, all three letters took credit for the murders, and the name Zodiac wasn't used yet. Like, that was not a thing just yet. Um... The papers were warned to put these ciphers on the front page or else all men to go on a killing, a killing spree. The cops, with being skeptical like they were, uh, issued a public statement, on, I guess on television, and was like, hey, we don't know who's writing these letters. We, we hear you. We know what you want us to do, but we're going to need some more information on this before we just comply with your request. And true to fashion, just a couple days later, the, the Zodiac Killer sends a letter... Um, and this is going to be the very first letter that says, this is the Zodiac speaking. This is the first letter that addresses him as a Zodiac killer. Um, he addresses himself this way. Um, now, there is a very real possibility, because the first cipher, I believe, was broken in like 20 hours with only like two, two people. It was like two, at the time, experts. Um, and like I said, this is in 1968, 1969. So... Um, you had two experts that were able to solve the first cipher within 20 hours. And the cipher said absolutely nothing, gave no clues as to who this killer was. So they're thinking that there was a very real possibility that the cipher was a null cipher. And what that is, is a cipher within a cipher. Um, and null ciphers were usually used in wartime, um, to get messages back and forth in case the messages were intercepted. Um, they were also used by prisoners. So if a prisoner is wanting to order a hit or to move some drugs around or whatever, and they need to get that word to somebody on the outside, they would write in cipher, and it would be a null cipher. It would be a cipher inside of a cipher. Um, so the newspaper printed the letter cipher, and that, I think, was the beginning of the end because that was what put the – it put a, a seed in the public's mind. It planted that seed like there's only one killer for all these – murders that are going that have taken place or in the future will be taking place that we cannot solve it's automatically going to be the zodiac and i think that is 
that was the most detrimental step they could have taken. I think they could have just maybe not put that seed in people's mind. Um, I think it really did hurt um, the families for the pe the people that that were victims. I think it hurt their families because there will never be closure because everybody's so zoned in on this one killer that they're not looking at these in as individual cases. Um, so the thing about these letters is there were 32 of them all, in, all together. There were five prior to his fifth victim. And then there was, uh, I'm sorry, four. I'm sorry, four. The first four came with ciphers. The other 28 came after his fifth victim. Um, and they actually had computational uh, linguistics experts. These are the same experts that were used to find the trace and find the owners of QAnon. Um, they were using AI, all these different um, platforms that they've got. And they were able to, to say that these letters were not written by the same person, which is a huge breakthrough. Because this would mean that there is not just one killer. There was people writing in pretending to be this killer. Now, the reason I find that this is interesting is because this dude came and said, hey, I also killed these people, right? Here's what I think happened. I think dude killed his ex-wife. I think to get the heat off of him, he had already heard about the other murders because this all happened in the same area within four miles of each other, in fact. I think he had heard about the other thing because it was probably in the local papers. And he just kind of hinged onto that. I am a Zodiac killer. I killed such and such, but I also killed such and such. Now they're looking for a serial killer. They're not looking at this man no more. Because he has no ties to the first one. So I think that's what happened. I think them putting that in the paper was very much to their detriment and very much to the victim's detriment. Their families, anyway. Yeah, we yeah. have door slammers. <laughs> like, everybody on my lives know that. <laughs> <coughs> Okay, so fast forward after the second note, we're going to go to the uh, third attack. This is going to be at Lake Berryessa, California. This is September 27th, 1979. Now, this is what we think is going to be a possible copycat. This is what I think is a copycat. So you're going to have Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. Now, these guys are old flames. They used to date, and then they kind of fizzled out, and then they met up again at college, and they're they're starting to talk again. And they decide they're going to go to Berryessa, uh Lake Berryessa, and they're just going to kind of hang out. And so they're up there, they're, they've taken Brian's car, and they're hanging out on a blanket, and they're they're just doing what people do back then when they go to hang out. And Cecilia looks up, and she notices that there's a man walking their direction. And he's far off. But the closer he gets, the more she's paying attention to this dude, and she starts seeing that he's got a gun. And looks like what he's wearing is a, a knife. Like, a long, not like a little pocket knife, because obviously you wouldn't see that at a distance. But, like, this is a very exaggerated like long fucking like machete it's not a knife it's a, it's a machete at this point i think anything over so many inches is a is a machete anyway so he's carrying this knife and then he's got uh pre-cut strips of plastic so she's she's telling brian like this this dude's looking like ominous and he's like yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine well the guy walks up on him with this gun and this knife and this plastic and he's like okay here's what's gonna happen you're gonna tie up brian so she's like okay well you know, so she does. And then the the dude ties her up. Now, this dude um, is wearing... I don't know if anybody's ever seen Monty Python. Or maybe if you think back to, like... I'm thinking, like, the um, the Christians that ran around and slaughtered everyone. The Inquisition, maybe? Or the people that walked around oops, and slaughtered everybody in the name of religion. I don't remember the name of those guys. Um so he has this this mask on and i have a picture of this let me show y'all this picture um i am sending it now so the sketch he's going to show y'all the sketch so this is going to be um he's wearing this black hood and he's got the zodiac symbol which was in the letters stitched onto this little uniform now, the uniform that he's got stitched together has probably taken some time to do, but like I said, all these letters were in the paper. Because if you'll remember back to after the second killing, he was like, put this on the front page, and they did. So the symbols and the ciphers and all that stuff was in the local newspaper. So this guy had time to look through and see the ciphers and what they look like and, and like actually put together this costume. Now, this is as of no this is a good note, a side note, is this is the only killing 
out of all five supposed Zodiac killings that the guy was in costume. No other time was he ever in costume before or after. This is the only one. So far, this MO is like too all over the place to believe. Yes. It's a singular person. So, um, so, so he has Cecilia tie up David. Or Brian, I'm sorry. And then he ties up Cecilia. He proceeds to stab, to stab. Now, you gotta think of the other two killings, they were guns involved. He proceeds to stab um, Brian five times. Brian gets smart and he plays dead. He's done. He's, uh, I'm gone. All right. Cecilia is stabbed five times in her front and then five times in the back. Now, she, I believe she lives long enough at least for the cops to come through. Now, I don't know if she survives too much after that, but I know she does live long enough for the cops to get through there. So, Brian, uh, I keep, yeah, it is Brian. So, Brian plays dead. The dude stabs stabs him to what he thinks is death and walks away, just calmly walks away and writes a message on their car in marker. It's in a white car, and I've actually got a picture of that. I will send it to you. Um, so, he writes um, a message on this dude's car and white marker uh, there it is Chats and you. so while he's walking away and writing this message on the car David gets loose from his bindings David starts crawling he makes it 300 feet before he is found he is found by a ranger by a park ranger his name is Dennis Land now, later, he had told the cops in his statement that his initial reaction upon seeing Ranger Land help scoop him up, his initial reaction was, oh, shit, the killer has come back. So, which makes you wonder, why would he think that? And then, obviously, his his notion was dismissed because he's helping me out. So, this obviously couldn't be the killer. But how much must they have looked alike for him to think, oh, crap, the killer's come back for me? Maybe if he's been stabbed that many times, he's out of it. Anybody walking up Maybe. on him at that time, being half in, half out, because it looked like the person. Yes, this is true. All right, so Brian told the cops, all right, when police, okay, so when ble- when the police showed up to the scene of the crime, um, because obviously Park Ranger went and called cops, hey, like, there's been a stabbing, y'all need to come down here. So the police show up, and the, the police was like, where's the crime the crime the, the where's the crime because in the absence of the cop or in the in the meantime of the cops coming the police ranger had picked everything up the blankets the clothes like everything the ropes everything shoved it in a box and took it to the ranger station so there was no crime scene for them to investigate because there's no longer a crime scene because old boy put everything in a box and then took off with it which makes zero sense and i'll tell you why it makes zero sense is because dennis had an associate's degree in criminal science he also had years of experience as a military policeman which means he knew the procedure of things he knew criminal justice because he had had an associate's degree in it so he knew better but yet he still decided to take it upon himself while waiting on the cops to box everything up move this crime scene around and just put it away so that to me was weird Coupled with the fact that um, Brian was like, oh, no, it's the killer again. He's back. So those two things together well, is just here's like, the thing. If makes the you scratch your head. Wearing what he was wearing, it'd be hard to look at the killer and go, oh, the killer's, that's, the killer's back. Because how would you know? It he was did the, not have a mask on the whole time. Who? The killer. Did not have a mask on when he was behind the tree. After he thought he had killed them, the mask came off. They got a good look, or Brian did. He got a good look at him. And he was able to draw up a composite sketch, which I also have. Ooh, look at me having all the sketches. All right. So, I just sent you that one. This is going to be, he's about to put on the screen, this is going to be a composite sketch of who they think um, killed or tried to, to mutilate them with a knife. Okay, so he did take off his mask long enough when Brian was playing dead that he thought 
um, they, they were able to get a composite sketch off of him. So, now, when you go and look at the station logs, now, as a park ranger, you have station logs, and it tells you, you have to write down every little thing. If you're going dark, if you're coming back from going dark, if you're, what part of the park you're going to be in. And a lot of this is accountability, but also, like, if you get lost or something happens to you, they're able to find you, or at least your last known whereabouts, you know, and go hunt you down and, and send aid if, if needed. Right. Okay, so on the station logs, he radioed in a 10-7. He did this at 6.13 p.m. A 10-7 is a go dark or no radio contact. Now, in stations like this, when you go dark, you have to radio back in when you come back. And in every other instance that he has gone dark on the radio, he has always came back within a few minutes. Just, you know, within 30, you know, 20, 30 minutes. He doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. His next radio in is going to be at 7 o'clock when he reports the stabbing. Now, granted, that's only a 45-minute... It's a 45-minute gap where nobody knows where he's at or can't place him nowhere. His normal marina checks that he does at the time were only about 15 to 20 minutes long. So he's got 15 minutes unaccounted for. Now, some could argue that's the time it took him to get uh, Brian in the car and get him loaded up and then of course he went and grabbed the box of things for what weird random reason that was but there is a good 20 to 30 minutes worth of time that he has not accounted for he was at the park he was in that area i just i feel like it something might be there on that one um so that's that's going to be our third attack like i said by knife in an outfit which was very weird by the way um, and the fact that the whole scene was rearranged and, and moved and there was just a lot going on there. They, all right, so that, that's going to be our third. All right, so we're going to pull on over to the fourth attack. Okay, our fourth attack is going to be in San Francisco, California. His name is going to be Paul Stein. He is a cab driver. He took a fare to go to uh, Presidio Heights. Or Presidio, I'm sorry, Presidio Heights, which is going to be in, an, in a very wealthy, well-to-do neighborhood. He was shot in the head one time. There was two witnesses to this event. They were kids, and they were across the street. They saw a man moving um, Paul's body in the car. They also saw this man get out of the passenger side seat, walk around to the driver's side seat with this white cloth and start wiping stuff down. Then they saw this uh, this man shut the door and just politely walk off into the darkness. The kids, seeing what happened, called the cops. Said, "This is what we saw, and this is he left on foot. He's walking. This is the street he took. He took a left on this street." Da 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 da. So they call dispatch and they tell him like, "There's this tall dude, white dude. He's wearing dark clothes." Da da da. Well, dispatch somehow or another messed it up. And the dispatch told, like in a broadcast, you know, what they call the radios or whatever, you're looking for a tall black man. Not a tall white man in black clothing. She just says tall black man. So either she misheard or the cops misheard her. Somewhere along the line, there was a miscommunication. Well, so there's David Falk. He was at the scene. He was a cop at the scene. And he saw a white male dressed in dark clothing walking from the area that all this just happened from. He stops this dude. Hey, have you seen or heard? Da, 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 da. I ain't seen or heard nothing. Okay, well, because he doesn't fit the description of what the dispatcher just called in, he lets the man walk. He lets him go. Well, okay, well, if you see or hear anything, you know, just give a shout to the police. Again, this is in the 60s, late 60s. Okay, not a problem, da, 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 and goes about his business. Well, later, a composite sketch, sketch was done based off the kid's remembrance of what this man looked like, getting out of the car and walking away. The composite sketch matches up ident like identically to the man that David Falk had asked, hey, have you seen or heard anything? It was the same dude. He literally talked to that killer and had no idea he was talking to a killer, and the dude walked because it was a different description. <coughs> Tell me that's not coincidental. All right, so it's not coincidental that's stupid <laughs> at the time this was not linked to the zodiac killings this attack because there was there had been in that area a whole string of robberies taking uh, taking place in taxi cabs because at the time taxi cabs were easy to rob they would and literally they would go in they would take their stuff their wallet their money whatever whatever shoot them dead and walk away no big deal 
Well, I mean, kind of a big deal, but for them it wasn't. And this was happening. And when they got to the scene of the crime, this man, Paul uh, Stein, his wallet and all his personal effects had been taken. So that's what they were chalking it up to, was that it was just a, a taxi, another taxi cab robbery, which had been very, very much so prominent in that area at the time anyway. Two days later, on October 13th, a letter to the paper about the murder uh, was sent. And it had supposedly, I say supposedly, it was Paul Stein's, a part of Paul Stein's bloody shirt. He says, I am the killer and I can prove this. And in this letter, the Zodiac Killer supplies them with a piece of Paul's shirt um, that had the blood on it and everything else. Now, here's the thing about that is the the zodiac killer per se has never had to prove that he was the killer prior you know he's never sent in evidence he's never taken souvenirs he's never done anything of the like now all of a sudden he's keeping and sending in souvenirs that's the first kind of like eh, why is he changing up now but the second thing that comes into play is <clears throat> there were many people at the time that will state that cops were not the only people that were allowed into the crime labs reporters were very well known for taking statements like newspaper reportment uh reporters were known to uh take statements i'm sorry i got tickle in my throat and um type out the reports and give them to the cops later as long as i could keep a cop a copy of it for their reports when they when they're writing up in the newspapers it was a very widely done thing it wasn't until later that they were weird about chain of uh what's that chain of custody chain of custody um so that didn't happen till later the chain of custody thing so at the time it was very well like it was just a thing like if you were a reporter and you could get in and this was you were working this story okay yeah just don't mess with nothing too much the piece of cloth that was sent in that was part of paul stein's shirt and it was blood soaked but it was not ripped in such a way the when it was first brought in so they were able to tell between the pictures and everything that they had that the that the way it was ripped then versus the rip that was pulled at later it happened at two separate times so whoever had done the ripping of the shirt did not take it at the scene of the crime they waited till it was in police custody for it to happen so whoever did it had access to the crime lab now, a couple things about that is is it could be corruption because corruption was very, very evident. Um, and it is now. I mean, it's, nothing's changed. It's all the same. Um, so I want to bring that to light is who had access to this. And obviously, I'm going to I'm going to zone in on a reporter. That's where I'm going with this. Now, I'm not saying he did not kill because I'm thinking um, this reporter if you are a very well-known reporter and this is what you're known for right and it's already been showed by um the linguistics people that there were multiple people that wrote these letters it was not just one killer that wrote the letters they think it was multiple people wrote the letters just trying to keep the hoax going but none of the people that actually wrote the letters were actually the killers these are just random people writing into newspapers and they're taking it as fact which is kind of crazy if you think about it <laughs> So there is this one reporter named uh, Paul Avery, and he worked at um, the Chronicle for, for a time. And he was the one that was covering these stories. Now, at the time, three different papers were getting these letters in different ciphers and, and different, you know. Oh, I should have brought some water. But after this incident of the Paul, the Paul killing um, and the shirt thing, the Zodiac only writes to the one paper, the Chronicle. And he only writes specifically to Paul Avery. He no longer addresses the cops. He no longer addresses anybody else, any other papers, anybody, anybody, anybody. Just Paul Avery. And he sends him and him alone letters. Which I find is very fishy. <laughs> now, here's the thing about Paul Avery. His career, what a lot of people don't realize, was on, on the Fritz. This was all he was known for. And it was on the fritz until the Zodiac killers started popping up. And then when the Zodiac pop, uh, started only messaging him, well, I said messaging, lettering him, mailing him, whatever, his rise to fame came again. So I think he was of the notion, I think he had access, I think he got the shirt, I think he had access to the shirt, he ripped a piece while he could, and he's using these letters to keep his name relevant because he was about to be fizzled out by the company. 
Here's how I think this is interesting. The last Zodiac letter ever to be mentioned was in 1974. Y'all care to know what Paul Avery was doing in 1974? No way. <laughs> okay. Paul Avery joined forces with Tom Finley to produce a series of stories detailing the kidnapping and reporting about members about the Symbionese Liberation Army. He covered the Hearst case until the heiress was arrested in 1975. So in 1973 to 1974, 1975, he was covering a different story that had blown out. Like, it was a huge story. And he was going with this other dude, and, like, that's what they were doing. Like, it was nothing but that. And so when he was so wrapped up in this, all of a sudden the letter stopped. So I think he was the one writing the letter, at least the last letters anyway. Maybe not all of them, but I think the last few of the letters, I think he had a hand in writing all of them. Because they were only directed to him. Come on, that was never the MO. Now all of a sudden you're so special. No, you were fizzling the fuck out. Sorry. And then he got busy on this other, and it was a big case. Because the Zodiac thing led him to be like, oh, you're a good criminal investigative reporter i need you to come with me we're going to cover this that was his big break so he used that he utilized it got his big break and when this actually started being a big thing that got swept because it wasn't real so he swept that to the wayside and took off with this other thing um after he liberated uh the thing in liberation in 1975 i was like okay well obviously they could always say he was taking hiatus and the guy would have come back the zodiac killer the reason I think the Zodiac Killer never came back is because in 1975, he holed up in his houseboat with another dude, uh, Vin McClellan, to write The Voices of Guns. This was a book they wrote. And they were holed up in a houseboat writing this, boat, uh, write, writing this um, book. And then in 1976, he joined the Sacramento Bee. He was, he was no longer part of the Chronicle. So they fizzled him out, which is what they were trying to do to begin with. Um, he used the Zodiac Killer to stay on. He used the Hearst thing to stay on. Then he wrote a book, and then he, just gone. He so I think he was trying to stay relevant. Up. Yeah, he was trying to stay relevant and started sending these letters to himself. And at that time, there was no—I mean, you could pop anything. They had the little blue mailboxes, almost like they do now, with no return address, and just pop it in the mail. It shows up. Oh, what is this? And of course, it shows up publicly. It's the Zodiac. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could do that, you know. So, here here's my thoughts on this. So, the Zodiac Killer has been widely known. The narrative, the mainstream narrative, is the fact that it is one killer that killed all these people, or attempted to kill most of these people. Um, and it's the only re reason it was linked was through letters that were sent to the police after the cases have already been broke open, after the cases were publicly announced, whether it be TV or newspapers. Then you get your letters. Two weeks later. Two days later. I think the first killing. I think that had a lot to do with the the drugs and the gang related. I think the second killing had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was just local. They had heard about that one. Ex-husband was just trying to get away with murder. So he pinned it on the Zodiac. No, he wasn't trying to do anything. Oh, he did get away with murder. And so they pinned it. he pinned it on the Zodiac. If they're looking for a serial killer, they're not going to look at me because I'm not into i don't know these first people i know of that crime but that's it i think that's what happened and i think by the time the zodiac letters started happening it had all oh it's a serial killer and everybody got swept up in it now we're not looking for individual people we're looking for one person and when you had that one person you're letting them go even though they did commit that crime because you can't connect them to the other crimes because they didn't commit the other crimes. They only committed that one. But you've got your head so based in the fact that it's just one killer for all of them, you won't entertain the idea, you know, that he might actually be the one that's killing this one person. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm talking in circles. So, no, it makes sense. They're not paying attention. They can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. They're not paying attention to the individuals that have motive, means, and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because they're trying to, because they can't tie them to the other crimes, not realizing that the other crimes were all separate. I think the fourth one, which would be the one in um, uh, Berryessa uh, Lake, the the hooded figure, the pick me on Shrek, that dude. <laughs> You've seen Shrek? Oh, we're going to have to watch Shrek. So there's a guy with the gender... Uh, it's it's the guy that's dressed up and, he, and he's one of Lord Farquaad's dudes. He's like, 
number three, my lord, pick number three. And like he's also the one that helps pull, pull the gumdrop buttons off the gingerbread man. And he is dressed like this. He's the only one before, or he's the only one of, of all the attacks that dressed in costume. I think it was a park ranger. I really do. But there was no crime at that park or anywhere near that park like that prior to or since then either. Well, here's the thing. I think they were so wrapped up in it being the Zodiac. It could have been a personal thing against one so or both of those people, but they never figured it out. Yeah, and we never. I never really delved into their background because there wasn't too much on them that I could find. So... They're very well might have been a background motive. It might have been, like I said, they were they were exes. For, they were together, and then they weren't, and then they were back together. It might have been a star-crossed lover. Who knows? Um, and then, of course, the Paul Stein. I think that was just another string of robberies, taxi cab robberies. And they were pinning it, and the only reason they pinned it is because they got another letter after the fact saying, I killed the dude in the taxi cab. And I think the people at the park, he was just trying to get away with it, so he put those that the dates on the on the car. I think everybody was just trying to pin it on somebody else so they wouldn't be looked at personally. Even if they have time and motive and, and uh, what'd you say? Time, motive. Motive, and, means, and opportunity. That's the one. So even if I have all these things, for this one person, you can't connect me to all these others. Therefore, I can't be the killer. <laughs> and that's exactly how all of them got away with it. It was in a very elaborate hoax built upon by the next killer. Built upon by the next killer. Built upon by the next killer. It just kind of kept growing. It snowballed. So that is that is my thoughts on it. I don't think there was one serial killer. I think there was multiple. And I think the cops will not admit when they're wrong. They will cover. They will double down and cover up their own misgivings every step of the way. They refuse to admit, admit when they mess up. So do I think they're going to reopen the case? And be like, oh, yeah. Oops. By the way, no. I think they're going to stick. Oh, it was a serial killer it was big bad it'll never get solved and that's the reason why and you're probably right so <laughs> that, that that is um oh i had all the pictures i, I know that was a, there was a lot of information um so my question i guess would be is if anybody had any kind of thoughts or opinions or if it was i know that story was all over the place like it was it's a lot i did not know about the original murders i knew of the zodiac zodiac killer i didn't know the details um so not only was i trying to research the actual what they considered the zodiac killings i was also trying to research how it could not be which is that documentary we were watching um which is very interesting it's uh the myth of a zodiac killer um, the Myth of the Zodiac Killer. You can watch it on Peacock with ads, and I believe it's on Premium Amazon with ads, I believe. Or not with ads. With, you have to have Premium Amazon, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but you can catch remember. it. It's it's <laughs> it's really, really compelling. It'll give you a lot more better details than what I'm doing. And then you've got written and drawn diagrams of videos, and like they do interviews. It's super interesting. Um, I would highly suggest y'all go check that out, because that's where I pulled a lot of my information from. Um, so I know it was an erratic all over the place because there was just like to tell this story you got to jump in time and mm -hmm. then this correlates back in time so it's a lot of bouncing around and it makes it very confusing for me so I understand it in my head but getting it out to convey it to other people is going to sound like a whole hot mess mm -hmm. so I do suggest for all of y'all that are interested in this kind of stuff please absolutely go check out that um, that um, docu it's, it's two part docu-series it's on Peacock. It's free. Um, you just watch ads. Um, but yeah, definitely check out um, the myth. To, was it a myth? The myth about the Zod I don't remember what it's called now. Yeah, the myth about mm -hmm. Zodiac or something like that. Yeah. So I would highly suggest y'all go check that out because it's a really, really document, a uh, really good document. <coughs> I am dying over here, y'all. My allergies have been whooping my butt. I've got the drainage going. I've been nah, all day. I apologize. What do you think? Um, what do y'all in the comment sections think? Do y'all think it was a, a lone killer? Do y'all think it was a whole bunch of people? Did y'all get lost about 10 minutes into that conversation? Because I was all over the place. Because <laughs> I know I did. Um, so first off, I do want to ask you, because I'm genuinely curious. Um, I kind of, I kind of, we've already spoke on this, so I kind of already know your opinions on this. Um, after rewatching the document, documentary with me again tonight documentary yeah that one um what do you think 
at first I had the impression everybody else did. It was one person, but after listening to the evidence, it kind of compels you to think that maybe there was a more than it was more than one crime all kind of separate yeah so that's what i think i think there was a number of people who got away with murder because of separate crimes (laughs) nothing um okay so i think um that's accurate i think there was a whole bunch of people trying to get away with stuff and pinning it on somebody else if I was trying to get away with murder and there was a serial killer going around, I would yeah, I would try to hitch my <laughs> issues on him, you know what I'm saying? Or her. Um, so yeah, I could see that being a thing. Alright, so this is going to be one of the last deep dives that we do for a while. Just because as fun as this can be, it can also turn into a lot of work, especially when we have got other stuff going on. Um, and it takes us a while to research this stuff and we have to do certain you know, most of the time we're doing multiple different areas of research. That way we can get a full picture and not just like one opinion on things. And it, it does. It takes time and a lot of work. And we've usually got other stuff going on. He only has the weekends to research. And this week has been crazy busy. So I have not had too much of a chance to research anything at all. Um, so, and we had both talked about this. We want to kind of go back to the, um, just kind of like the lighthearted. Like we can fill the hour, but just be lighthearted, whether it be games or just talking about different things to where we're not like because i'm so busy in my notes i'm not able to have a conversation and i think that's where it all started was just us having a conversation i'd like to get back to that i think you would too um so i think this is gonna be the last deep dive we do on somebody like that for a while um we will still obviously be doing a podcast but the topic and the 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 dynamic of how we do it is going to change a little bit uh back to how we used to do it right right that is the plan yeah, because this has gotten to be so much like work and not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this part's fun, but like the research part of it, not so much. So I, I hate watching documentaries. Um, this is not my thing. My husband loves it. That's all he watches. And I'm sitting here like, this is stupid. This is stupid. I'm taking notes. This is stupid. It's <laughs> like being back in school. I hate it. Um, we were doing that on, what What was we watching last week? I was trying to figure out. Oh, Urban Legends? Or no, it wasn't that. What was I was gonna do it on something? And I was like, oh, this is dumb. I don't want to do it. And I end up having to take all these notes and end up not even doing it. I don't remember what it was. I do not either. Anyway, so like, yeah, I just when you have to do a deep dive like that, it's just not, it makes it not fun anymore. Yeah, it's not pleasant. So we probably will <laughs> be stepping away from doing that yeah. for a while. Just go back to just having lighthearted conversations between a husband and a wife, which I very much so enjoy and look forward to every week. So. so come back next week and that's what we'll be doing yeah. and um those of you that hung around uh thank you <laughs> listen to my, my chaotic mess of a story if you could call it that i do appreciate y'all leave a comment let us know what you thought about the story let me know if i'm missing anything or if you have any information or details that you wanted to add what's your what's your thoughts if you think it's one killer or many um and we will be back next week with um a new topic to be determined we haven't got there yet but we will determine next week (laughs) and we will see you then bye